0: Hey, what do you say? Be careful, because Mars Attacks. This is Bobby Blitz from Overkill. You stay tuned. Hey, this is Chuck Billy from Testament right here on Mars Attacks. This is Chris from In This Moment, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, everyone, this is Dave Minichetti from YNT, and you're listening right now to Mars Attacks. How you doing? This is Frankie Benali from Quiet Riot, letting you know that Victor rocks on Mars Attacks Radio. Hello, everybody. This is Michael Kiske talking, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, this is Richard Patrick from Filter, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, this is Tim Ripper-Owens. You are listening to Mars Attacks. Get out of my face. This is Ernie C, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hey there, this is joey vera from armored saints and you are listening to mars attack hey everybody what's happening this is john bush and you're cranking
1: it
2: up on mars
1: attack
2: let's do it hey all here's andreas kisser from sepultura and de la tierra and you're listening to mars attack enjoy
0: hey logan Mader here from once human you're listening to mars attack what's up this is Tony from battlecross and you're listening to mars attack hell yeah
2: Welcome, one and all, to episode 116 of the Mars Attacks podcast. I'm your host, Victor, and during this episode, we have a very special interview with Tony Asta of the Michigan band Battlecross. got to speak to Tony last night, and we got to speak about a bunch of different things, such as uh, playing festivals around the world. Uh, playing Heavy Montreal, which they will be doing in a few days. Um, what band sort of helped them on the road to sort of, you know, not mentor them, but sort of help them get their footing and be an example uh, to follow what it was like to play Metallica's Orion Festival and a bunch of other things. It uh, was a lot of fun to talk to Tony. Really enjoy their new album that is about to drop and uh, it is called Rise to Power I recommend it if you're a fan of the band or if you have never checked the band out before I think you'll really enjoy it Um, musically you can hear all types of influences from it's pretty cool because you can hear stuff from various different styles of metal and various generations actually because there are things in there that you know, sound a lot like Maiden. There are things in there that um, sound like, you know, some, some of the bands from Sweden. Uh, obviously, the whole Lame of God connection is going to be there as well because of the way that Gumby sings. You know, people are going to draw that correlation. But, um, yeah, so a very cool album. And we're going to get the tracks off of that album shortly. Um, but uh, before that, obviously, we'll play... Some other songs, because I always love to do that and turn you guys on to uh, various different things. The episode was actually going to have two interviews. We're supposed to have Billy Keaton, who's the lead singer of a new band called Audiotopsy, which features Greg and Matt, formerly of Mudvayne. And at the last second, I found out that the uh, album that they're putting out called Natural Causes actually is getting pushed back till October. That album sounds great also. Uh, Really recommended for people that liked what they did in Mudvayne. It doesn't sound, you know, 100% like Mudvayne, but you can tell that it's Greg and Matt there because they have a very percussive style that was very prevalent in Mudvayne. But uh, Billy adds these interesting melodies over top of everything, and it just sounds really cool. So that comes out October 5th. Uh, this Battle Cross album comes out late this month the 21st if I'm not mistaken. So check that out when it does when when that comes out. Um but uh, uh also check out MarsAttacksRadio.com. There's a plan to give the site a fatli- facelift, excuse me. Wow, well, I did two takes and I said that wrong both times. Facelift like the Allison Chains album. Um we're looking to do a facelift on the site. It will hopefully happen shortly. I've been doing a bunch of coding on my end. I've been talking about launching my own business as well. Um, I just did that in the last few days. Started up a business where I'm offering my services uh, in in helping people with conversational English. You know, people that are looking to do job interviews in England or Uh, You know, present different job related things or maybe they want to go to the States or Australia or wherever um, and they want to go on vacation. They want to be able to defend themselves with the language or they want to brush up, you know, so on and so forth. I'm offering that as well as uh, just different things to bands. I see a lot of the press releases that are put out and they look like shit. They look really bad. Uh, you know, and the bands just don't get it. They they hire people to rep them and whatnot, and they say, oh, no, no, they've they've assured us that, you know, the a person running the social media stuff knows English. Well, they don't. <laughs> you know, it's not correct what they're writing, and it makes you guys look bad. And if you want to break into a market like the U.S. or the U.K. or Australia or anywhere else in Europe or, you know, or anywhere else in the world, I should say, where people are checking you out, you know, based on your English. If you're going to be singing in English, you might as well have your shit, you know, coherent and have it together. So, that's the type of stuff that I'm offering. I know that other name people like Amanda Somerville uh, offer these types of things with, um, you know, writing lyrics and just making sure that lyrics are, are correct. And, uh, you know, it's just sort of along those lines. But uh, we'll see. I'm not looking to get rich off of this. And I also launched a um, a podcasting news site called Ear Peeler. And Ear Peeler and Site for Sore Eyes. Uh, basically. Uh, so what that site is is more or less is a site so that people can go there and find out, you know, not only what I'm up to with my podcast, but what others are podcasting about and artists that you guys are interested in bands that you guys are interested in uh checking out you know the various interviews i have a lot of people that over the last few months have said to me oh i thought you were on hiatus uh, because i haven't you know heard uh, or not heard but haven't seen anything published on blabbermouth or, or on brave words and basically you know what i'm putting together isn't to compete with those sites it's actually a supplement so that when you have checked those sites out you can go over to my site earpeeler and find out who's being interviewed about what who's appearing on what shows you know it it works from both sides you know maybe you're a fan of a site but or, or a show i should say and you're not aware of who, th- who they've recently had on. And instead of going to all the various sites, you can just go to one place and catch up with everything. Uh, on the flip side, if, for example, I interviewed Logan Mater last week uh, for last week's episode, or, or Tony Asta in this case, from Battlecross, if you want to find out more about either one of these bands or these artists or what have you, You can just go to the site and search any of the people that have been interviewed and it'll take you to the various, you know, to an index of different shows that have had these people on. Uh, Now the site is in its infant stages so obviously there isn't a lot of content. You know, you have to start somewhere. So I've been reaching out to PR people and to shows and to labels and if anyone out there is listening and they want to... You know, be a part of getting their news published on the site, you can drop me a line. You can send an email directly to earpeeler at com. If not, you can go to earpeeler.com, and you can submit your news via the link that says Got News right there on the uh, header banner. So check that out. Um, I'm not trying to you know, make uh, m- make a ton of cash off of this. Like, I know that there are people that I speak to and still are trying to find that secret, you know, to how Corolla's making all this money or, or whatnot. And, you know, I don't have any delusions of grandeur. I'm going to try to put a solid, solid effort forward and see what... Uh, what, you know, I can make of it. There are other things that I have in the works that are that are similar to Ear Peeler, but for other industries. Um, and once that's up and, up and running, you know, I'll mention that on the show as well. Uh, you guys will probably hear uh, commercials for these sites from time to time, so be ready for that. And that's pretty much it. I'm um, just... Trying to make some money, you know, I've been out of work for a little over a year and I know a lot of people, you know, especially after living in the Northeast, um, have said, well, you know, it's, wow, it's been, you know, this long, blah, blah, blah. But man, there's (laughs) the unofficial number of unemployed people over here where I am uh, is pretty close to 10 million uh there is something like a 27% unemployment rate over here. So there aren't jobs unless I want to drive you know an hour and change a day. And in the states where gas is cheap, relatively speaking, and for anyone that bitches about you know how much it costs to fill up their car or whatnot, I see this on Facebook all the time, just multiply anything that you're paying by three. Because I'm paying close to a hundred bucks to fill my tank up all the time and it's a 10 gallon tank. Just keep that in mind uh, so and that's that's finding the cheapest location and getting money back by doing that in the process. So if if you go to uh, other establishments that are big name places, they um, they charge you a, a lot more so. There you have it. Anyway, I was talking about MarsAttacksRadio.com. All the various social media sites that you want to check out, like Facebook, like Twitter, like G+, uh, they're all there. So check them out. Follow us, like us, tell your friends. We have a bunch of followers on Twitter. We have, you know, a lot more than we do on Facebook. You know, go to Facebook, like the page. Uh, Let your friends know about the show. I mean, a lot of people always tell me, you know, that they'd heard about the show, but they hadn't um, checked it out and that they enjoyed it. So, you know, flip it on when you have someone in the car. (laughs) Let them know about it. But uh, uh, the other thing that I wanted to touch on, I was part of Bob Now Bandian's uh, Inside Metal show the other day. I was actually, I, I called in. Uh, he actually sent an email around to a bunch of us former Cast Iron Ring uh, podcasters saying, Hey, you know, call in. The guest is going to be Jasmine St. Clair. Uh, she's going to talk about festivals and whatnot. And uh, it was cool. I called in. I spoke to her and, and Bob for for a little bit and sort of gave them my two cents. And listen, the festival culture over here is completely different because... There are festivals over here, I mean, uh, there are hard rock and, and metal festivals over here easily once a month. Are they huge, like all the bigger known festivals that you guys all know about, like Download or Valken or, or Inferno Fest or Hellfire or, you know, Bloodstock, which is which is actually taking place right now? Um, no. No. They aren't. They're smaller, and as a result, they have a lot of national bands, and they have Overkill or they have Exodus uh, bands of these uh, of this nature. You know, um, they come over and headline. They have like one or two international bands, and then everything else is national bands, and people go nuts for it. You know, surprisingly enough. And, uh, you know, there's a whole culture. And I, I remember going to uh, a festival years ago uh, where it was actually the first time that I got to see Angela Zapaterda. <laughs> 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 and, um, and that night when I went to go see this this festival, there was a metal festival where a bunch of well-known acts from here were playing. Some lesser-known local bands, at least they were lesser-known to me because I wasn't keen on the... You know, local scene that's basically three hours away from me. And within that same town, because they were f- celebrating the, you know, the the town festival or the, the town whatever they have going on, usually it's the patron saint, they had a metal show going on. They had a tent about four or five blocks away that was just, you know, electronica music. There was another area where it was... A cover band doing, you know, um local favorites or, or Spanish favorites I should say. Um that people that grew up in the fifties and sixties, seventies and eighties, there were hits from all these eras and you know, there were there were like four or five different shows going on at the same time. I mean they were not fucking around with with what was going on. And it was cool to see all this, you know. That doesn't exist in the States. That's why I think something like mayhem just didn't work. Why is Lollapalooza working now in Chicago? Um, why are there different things that, you know, they, that that just run a few days in the New York area, for example, or the M3 down in in Maryland or Rock on Range? Why does Rock on Range work? Why isn't that a traveling festival? Because it wouldn't work. Because it would be impossible for for them to pull that off. Um, Coachella. I mean, look at all of the big festivals that you have going on in the States. Bonnaroo is another one. And these are all things that take place in one spot. And you also have to figure, a lot of people are going on vacation to travel to see these things. Heavy Montreal is another one that's going on these next few days. It's just there in Montreal. So you're, you're thriving off of the fan base. You're thriving off of the fact that New York areas like an hour and a half, if I'm not mistaken, away uh, by plane, and all of you know the the northeast that can get there fairly easily. And you're also getting people from you know from areas in the, in the north of the states as well, uh, east of the Mississippi that that are traveling up. So people aren't going all the way out to you know they don't have it in their backyard. So People don't take it for granted. Also, you don't have the bands that are headlining. Uh, you know, I got into this with Mitch Lafon about Slipknot and Korn and and Faith No More headlining. He was saying that, you know, since they had Metallica last year, that none of these bands compared, obviously. U2 and the Rolling Stones are probably the only other bands that can arguably hold that same type of, or draw the same amount that Metallica can, if you want to look at it. So even if Iron Maiden was headlining, they weren't going to pull the same amount of people in Black Sabbath, any of those classic bands. They're not going to pull in as much as uh, Metallica did. So, um, you know, this this is something that... you know, should be taken into consideration that you're not always going to have that huge band headlining Heavy Montreal or any of these other festivals. Uh, the exception is Not Fest, which is going to be in Iowa. And it's going to be in California, if I'm not mistaken. Just two dates. That's it. So that there, there isn't there aren't all these expenses, you know, being held, but or or, or that these bands have to um, you know absorb. And what I was trying to get. At Mayhem, a lot can be said about the bill, but if Slayer's coming around two, three times a year in your area, what makes going to Mayhem special? That's the thing. Had, had Slayer have been like the second or third ban on the bill, then I don't think there would have been a problem. Had you have had Machine Head, who's played you know the last few years, Headline, uh, or if you have you know, um, a bunch of other bands like Megadeth or or Anthrax that are in Europe right now, then, you know, it would have been different, I think. And a lot of people are saying, oh, why does Europe get all these, you know, artists and, and whatnot? It's always been a misnomer. The summer months are when all the big money festivals take place in Europe. So does it make sense for bands to fly back home, then fly back three weeks later If you're Armored Saint, for example, which only does select shows a year, yeah, it makes sense. When you're Anthrax, for example, do you want to travel back and forth, you know, several times a year to go to Europe, to go back to the States? It doesn't make sense to do so. So they do a long European tour as a result. Uh, They throw in headline dates along with these festival dates. So that that's that's why Mayhem didn't get what, what they did this year. And that's no disrespect to, you know, King Diamond or Hell Yeah or Jungle Rod or anyone else that was on the bill, unfortunately. I, I don't think that it was planned out right. Had the tour have happened in May where more bands were available, probably would have gone off better. Had it have been September, probably would have gone off better. That's why I think that, you know, knowing that all these big festivals are, are going on, during certain months, you know, plan around that. There's no reason why, you know, bands are going to be giving up big paydays just to play the U.S. You know, people think that the U.S. is the be-all, end-all for a lot of things, but Valken is huge, you know. uh, all, All these other festivals that I've mentioned are huge. That's why I get a kick when I hear bands say, we're never playing again. Oh, yeah, because when... When Vakken comes calling in five years and says, you know what, we'll pay you for one date the same thing that you guys would make for a full tour, you're going to turn it down, right? So, I always take those comments with a grain of salt. But Anyway, I've rambled on enough, and um, I was going to play some other music before jumping into... Uh, some stuff here from Battlecross, but I think that I've spoken for quite a long time, and I'm just going to jump into the into a track by Battlecross and uh, just go into the interview with Tony Asta, their guitar player. So this track really stood out to me. The name of it is Despised. Let's listen let's listen to a little bit of this track. And remember, support the bands you love. Go out and pick up Rise to Power when it does come out. The whole thing is great start to finish, and it really reaffirms or, or it gives me a good feeling for listening to albums from start to beginning. You know, and Checking out so many of these albums this year, there there have been a lot of albums that have done that for me for some reason, and this is one of them. So... Let's go a little despised by Battlecross. I'm game. All
0: right.
2: All right, cool. Um, So the tendency for a lot of bands is to either have to move to New York or L.A. to make it big. But you guys have always been very pronounced in being from Michigan. Um, How do you think that whole Michigan influence has helped the band all of these years?
1: Um,
0: Well, I think... uh just from the beginning being from Michigan. Um, I mean, it's our home, it's what I call home, um, most of all, but I think that there's this kind of this sense of kind of being overlooked too. um, like you said, a lot of bands come out of, you know, the bigger cities or whatever else. And a lot of bands come from all over the country, you know, it just depends. Um, but I think just being in the scene growing up in the scene here, there's a sense of, want- of, of wanting to kind of be noticed. So I think that that is at the time maybe a driving force for us, some kind of additional motivation to try to get out of here and play other places and see other things. So I think in that sense, um, being from Michigan that, you know, of course, we're proud to be from Michigan you know, it's our home. Why wouldn't we be? Um, but at the same time, it's like, it's, we want to get noticed. We want to get out there. We want to, we want to, to play elsewhere. So, um, but I mean, that's, that's kind of the first thing I think of when you ask that, because it is kind of out of the way. Unless you're going to Canada, you know what I mean. Because Michigan, you know, it's like once you go into Michigan, you got to just come back down. It's kind of one of the, you know, like Florida. It's kind of one of those states, you know. But uh, yeah,
2: looking back, how do you look at the scene now as compared to when you first started out?
0: Um, <clears throat> I definitely, uh, I think I know. I know a little more about it now, uh, definitely. But I, at the time when we first started, I think uh, when I first started going to shows, I mean, I was a 16-year-old kid, and I didn't really know much about anything. You know, I, I, I went and saw some Slayer cover band at the Token Lounge, which is our hometown venue, and I thought it was the greatest thing I've ever seen. And nowadays, you know, if I go to a show, it'll be maybe a friend's show or whatever else is an amazing band from, from our town called Wolf Hook that you should definitely check out. Um, and you know, uh, uh, along with some other bands. And I think the scene is alive and well and strong, especially, you know, the metal, um, and just over the years of getting to know different bands and different people. And it's just exciting to see their dreams come to fruition and, and everybody, you know, being a part of it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think I think the scene, in, especially in Detroit, Lansing, Ann Arbor area, is is great. So.
2: Okay, and there's some amazing stats online about you guys and your longevity with certain songs being popular on satellite radio in the states, and just different success overall that you guys have been able to maintain. How much of that do you attribute? that to the fans from your home state and fans that have been there since the beginning?
0: Uh, well, quite a bit. Um, I think we kind of have our, our our hometown fan base is, um, I mean, everybody's like, we're all friends. So it's like a lot of the people that come to the shows when we play at our hometown, like we know everybody, you know, and it's an amazing family that we have, the community that we share and we're starting to see that sometimes in other in other cities so i think that having that hardcore base at home and elsewhere that all that helps every single person whether they you know requested a song online or they called in or they just made a post online or they brought a friend to a show or they gave a friend the cd anything like that is is support you know, you buy a t-shirt at a show or you, you know, whatever it may do, all that stuff, it all, it's all in the It all means something. So I'd have to, you know, attribute, you know, the airplay to every single, every single person who's been supportive since the beginning till now. I think that, uh, you know, obviously um, Jose Mangan at uh, Sirius XM, he's a huge supporter of all things metal. And he's, he's uh, kind of like the guy who runs, the liquid metal, um, uh, ra- the radio station. So when he gets, you know, requests for battle cross, he's all about it. You know, like he's like, hell yeah, let's do it. So it's amazing to have, you know, so much support from, from all over.
2: Okay. And you guys have taken, I guess, two years in between war of will and rise to power has your songwriting process or, or your process with coming up with riffs and things of that nature changed over the years, or have you pretty much stuck to the same sort of formula from your first release?
0: Um, I think what well, the formula basically is, um, write, write some songs that, uh, that kick ass. I mean, that's kind of just the base, bottom line and it, for me, it's kind of like a feeling that I get. If I'm influenced by a, a riff, like if, if Sarah writes a riff, or Hiron or Don writes a riff, and it fucking gets my attention and I like it, then we can build off that. And it's, a, it's an influence. You know, it's, it's an inspiring moment to blossom into a song. And that's kind of how we've always written, is in that kind of vein of a way. Sometimes, you know, I might write some riffs and then Don writes some riffs and then I try some things out and put them together and they end up making together one song, you know, like it just, sometimes that happens. Or sometimes I'll write the, the whole thing from beginning to end or somebody else, you know what I'm saying? And it just depends because <clears throat> it goes through a process of, you know, how it feels. Everybody listens, everybody plays it, everybody adds their two cents and then eventually it gets to the point where it's like, yes, this fucking kicks ass. This is a great song. And then, you don't want to beat it to death. You don't want to overdo it. So, you know, you, maybe you walk away, you leave it alone or whatever else, or maybe you just keep jamming it out the way it is. And then eventually things find their way and it evolves and think of maybe a little change here and there and it makes a world of difference. So um, that's kind of just the ingredients. That's kind of the, the way we, we kind of go about it and, and in that way it hasn't changed. But I do have to say for rise to power, uh, one thing that I feel mentally has changed for me is I I just don't have that feeling, that looming over feeling of pressure that we have to outdo anything. I have more of this feeling of confidence that as long as we just write what we want to play and make it the best we can, we can't go wrong. We just have to be honest with our music and be accepting of how it turns out and not try to be anything specifically. You know what I mean? Just let it be battle, let it just be our thing. And for me, maybe it took me a while to kind of get to that point, but I'm, you know, I'm glad that it did because I I think that for people who have heard the new album, I think they like it. So I think we're doing something right. And of course we like it. Otherwise we wouldn't put it out. So, um, it's just one of those things where, you you know, you just be honest with yourself and you write what you want to play and, and, and then just keep working at it until you're happy with it. So.
2: Okay. And as a result of not having that pressure on you, have you felt that you've sort of branched out on this album and maybe gone with certain things that you wouldn't have tried in the past?
0: Perhaps, maybe. Um, maybe, maybe not. I I, I don't know. Um, but uh, <clears throat> I think that um, it's definitely the most diverse album we've done, just because the different many different parts with many different kind of influences kind of mixed together, um, which we've we've always kind of mixed things together, um, not on purpose, but it's just because we're influenced by as many different bands. So, <clears throat> you know, maybe this part sounds like kind of, ooh, that has like a Metallica feel to it, or this part has like a, you know, a Slayer part, what it feel to it. You know what I mean? It's just like, we're not trying to sound like anybody, but if it does sound like something, well, it's because we love that style. We love that kind of music. We love that riff. You know, it's just like, we're not trying to reinvent anything. We're just playing what we like. And we're hoping that other people like it too. So, um, as far as like not having that pressure, it's definitely better for me. I mean, it's stress is not a good thing and, uh, we've all had stress. So, and I definitely would, you know, a lot of things can bring stress. And one thing you don't want to be stressed out on is when you're being artistic. You want to be creative. You want to have free flow. You want to be honest with what you're doing. So that's just kind of, that's where I'm coming from with that.
2: Okay. Gotcha. That makes complete sense. Um, As far as your gear, is there anything different that you used on Rise to Power that maybe you haven't used in the past?
0: Um, Well, in the studio, um, we wanted to get the absolute best uh, tone we could find. Um, guitar wise and for everything, but guitar wise, I can speak for, um, what we ended up using was, uh, it's called, it's called Kemper. And what, what it is is this is a, it's a profiling, uh, unit where you can, you can model, uh, sounds and capture sounds from any amp that you record with it. And then you can mutate it and make it your own and change things and whatever else. And then you can re actually reamp it through a cab. So, what we decided to do was we went through a bunch of different tones to try to find one that we thought would be what we wanted to do. And then we could tweak it. And then after the process, after recording everything with direct in, which means it's just like a clean signal of the guitar, then we could reamp it and then have it actually mic up to a cab. Now what ended up happening is we liked the tone so much that we didn't even reamp it. So yeah, so it, it turned out awesome. Um, and uh, the profile was actually a Soldano amp, which is like an expensive amp that we would never be able to afford in a million years. <laughs> but we end up using that and then modeling it, changing it and tweaking it and making our own. So, um, but then live what we use is it, uh, we use PV heads and <clears throat> I use a 6505 plus here. You know, I use a 6534. And uh, so we just, we both use PV, and Don uses uh, what does he use? I think he uses Kruger, um, and he also uses uh, uh, sans amp but he plays Ivan as we play ESP, and so that's another thing too. Is on this record we actually used the 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 guitars that we play live on the record, where in others albums we maybe necessarily didn't do that because we were trying to find the best tone and maybe another guitar beat out the one we had at the time. Where on this album, like, I made sure that the guitar that I brought there was top-notch, exactly what I wanted, and killing it. So what I brought was um, it's a couple ESPs with me, uh, one's a Horizon, one's an M1, and I have a guy back home here in Detroit who winds pickups. It's called Iconics Pickups, and we got we honed out exactly what sound we wanted to get, how we wanted it to pick up, and everything. And those are the pickups that went in those guitars. So when we brought to the studio, we had a shootout. We had those, and we had other ones that they had at the studio with, you know, on display or whatever that we could try. And the ones I brought ended up winning that shootout. And I'm just very happy for that because I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to have that feel on the guitar like that I'm used to playing. Mm-hmm. So um, that, that's really important. So I think that also helped, too, with, like, some of the lead stuff and things like that that came out really good.
2: That, that to me would seem to be a big deal. you want to play with something that you're familiar with, but you know you you see all these specials on how different albums are recorded or you talk to different people and it's usually the producer that says no use this guitar instead exactly what you're saying. I would think that even though you're professional and you can do you know whatever you want to do on any guitar, it would still be a lot easier a lot more comfortable to do to do it all on one that you brought with you and one that you really know how it feels yeah, and, and it's going to do exactly what you want it to do yep definitely okay and um you guys have done a bunch of tours with uh with different artists played a bunch of different festivals and whatnot um what tour do you feel Uh, you learned the most on, is there one specific band that really helped you guys out maybe early on, or maybe even later on in your career that there was one band that you got to see and you said, you know what, we want to be like these guys or, you know, or yeah, definitely.
0: Um, early on, uh, we had to be go Um, we got a call on a Tuesday night and it was okay. Um, Fallujah flipped their van and GoHor needs another band. Can you do it? And we're like, hell yeah. So we all called work and quit our jobs and went the very next day, met in like Kansas or something and went on tour with GoHor for two weeks. And uh, those that was like our first experience of like being with a band that was, you know, out there killing it, but then very humble. And then at the same time, they took care of, you know, the support. Like they didn't just... Like let us figure it out. Like they were very like, you know, uh, I guess uh, what the word, what the right word is for it, but like not mentoring, but just sort of like gui- guiding in a way. And uh, so that really stands out a lot to me. Go dudes are awesome guys, and uh, I would love to go on tour with them again. That was that was 2012. That was like uh, March, I, I think, March or April of 2012. And uh, that, I think that was the second the second tour we ever did. So, um, and then later on, uh, I think Killswitch Engage is another band that really helped us along. Um, they're a phenomenal band, phenomenal guys. I mean, I have to see them every night. If any tour we've ever done, I have to watch that band. Um, they're incredible. And uh, all the dudes are super nice and they're very just professional, but they, they, they really taught me how to, like, take things, how seriously to take things. Like, don't, you know, be super strict about stuff. Like, don't be militant about things. Like, that's kind of like what I thought we should do or yeah. I would do, how I would approach things. is very, like, strict. And then it turned into, like, well, you know, you got to have time to play. You got to have time. It really loosen things up. Take the stress off. You know, really, like, focus on the show. And, like, not all the behind-the-scenes stuff to make the show happen. Like, focus on just the show. And so, like, I think that that's kind of one of the things that, that I saw in them that really helped me mature as a, as a touring musician. So I have to – those are the two bands I, that I first think of. There's other bands, too, um, but uh, those are the first two that I think of.
2: You guys have previously played the Mayhem Fest and obviously, there's all this talk this week about there being no more mayhem after this year. Did that catch you guys by surprise?
0: Um. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm surprised that he would just call it off cold like that. However, he did. You know, uh, I think it was Lyman said that with every ending is a new beginning. So he's probably planning on doing something else. Um. And I think they do. Don't they do? What is it? uproar or something?
2: Yeah. i they or, do
0: like some other festivals? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, those guys have – I mean, they know what they're doing. And I don't know why this year, you know, I guess capsized according to people. I didn't go. I don't know how it was. Um, but uh, I'm sad to see it be called quits. Who knows if that's really true or not. Who knows? Maybe next year they might be like, surprise, and then it's amazing. So, who knows? But, um, I mean, in that way, for him to say it's over, I'm surprised. For – the I guess the lack of turnout. I'm not really that surprised because when I personally when I saw the the list, I was like, well, some of those bands I would go see, but I don't know if I'm going to pay to go see that. You know what I mean? So right. it's kind of like one of those things for me. Like like I said earlier, like I'm it's hard to get me in newer bands. So um, that's kind of one of like I'll go see Slayer. Like fuck yeah. I mean I don't even I couldn't tell you one king uh king diamond song i don't even know or not uh, king diamond uh who was the other guy was it king
2: diamond yeah it was king diamond
0: king diamond yeah see i couldn't i don't, I don't even remember who it was i i couldn't tell you one song <laughs> but i mean i know who merciful fate is i mean i dig that shit but um anyway so that's kind of like my look at it like i'm i guess i'm not surprised in that way but i am surprised that they said no more so
2: gotcha okay And you guys actually got to play the Orion Festival a few years back um, in your home stomping grounds there, and you were picked by, uh, as far as what I understand, is Metallica picks all the bands that get to play on their festival. What's it like to be picked by Metallica to play Orion?
0: Unreal, man. Uh, Highlight of my life. The, The greatest thing that could ever happen ever in the history of mankind. (laughs) <laughs> that's kind of how I look at that big time um, for being such a huge fan of Metallica and, you know, James Hetfield and just having the opportunity to meet them and, and talk to James for a little bit and then ha- have him and Robert uh, and just on stage was just completely unreal. Um, so I have to say that after that moment, if I was hit by a truck, I would be, I would have a smile on my face. I would, I would, I could have died and gone to heaven and been happy with it. <laughs> so definitely uh, one of the greatest things that I've ever witnessed in my life. So big time. Um, as far as like uh, a response, like how it affected the band definitely gave the band a lot of exposure. Definitely um, shined a light on, on the band being like from the Detroit area and all that stuff was really a huge thing for us. And so we're just grateful that, that they gave us a chance and they even know who we are or anything. And it's just a a crazy thing. It's, It's like God knowing who you are. It's just, I don't know how to explain it. It's crazy.
2: You guys are playing heavy Montreal in a few days and you guys played a few years ago as well. Uh, what was that experience like and what are you guys looking forward to this weekend?
0: It was a, it was a great experience. Um, it's one of those shows that uh, I'll definitely always remember. Um, the first time I played it, It um, excuse me, I believe that was the, was that the first time? No, I think that might've been the second time we, we ever played Montreal. And, um, it was, it was a really fun show and I didn't know what to expect, but, uh, they treated us really well. Uh, the organizers and everybody like that. um, it was very relaxed, and uh, we just had a good time. And one of the craziest things about it was we had we headlined like the, the side stage. And why, I don't know. It's probably just one of those slots. They just wanted to stick a band because, you know, it's at the same time system of a down on main stage. So who's really going to be over there kind of thing? So we were like, ah, well, at least we get to play. That's, that's great. We'll just do it. You know, like hell yeah. Any place, you know, we can play, we'll play. So, um, we played the show and there was maybe a couple hundred people watching, which is amazing. And a lot of the fans or a lot of the audience dug it. And some of them became fans. And right after our set, we uh, had a couple boxes of CDs with us and we were just like selling them over the railing, like over the bar, you know, the barricade. Right. And, we made some fans that day and still to this day, those those people still come out. So um, it was just a great experience and I'm glad to do it. I'm very happy to come back and um, hopefully this time there'll, even, there'll be even more people there to see us. So, um, well, yeah, we'll see. We're walking in this thing, you know, with smiles on our faces. So um, <laughs> we play, yeah, yeah, we play Saturday on the Blabbermouth stage at 745. And uh, before that, we're just, got like a bunch of press stuff that we're doing so hopefully i'll be able to sneak away and check out some bands and i still have to look at the list though and see who's all playing that day i can't really remember but uh should be pretty sure i know testament's playing that day so it'd be cool to to get to them and whoever else so
2: okay and you guys have played festivals like download and things like that uh over in europe how does heavy montreal compare to the other european festivals that you've played on
0: um, it, it is, uh, comparable. Um, I think Heavy Montreal is probably one of the closest related type of festivals that we've played compared to, like, Download and or and stuff like that. Um, so I'd say they're, they're pretty, uh, pretty similar from what I remember. Um, but then again, you know, it's hard to play, be in more than one place at once. So, right. um, perhaps I missed other things, but, uh, but yeah, um, any, any kind of festival like that is always, is always fun to play. So, uh, yeah, good times. What's up? This is Tony from Battlecross and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hell yeah.
2: So, there you go. That's a little more battle cross with the track Shackles coming off of Rise to Power. I know people are going to bitch. Why didn't you play the entire track? Because I want you to go out and pick the album up. It is that damn good. Want to thank John Freeman for helping that interview take place. Want to also thank Tony for taking part in that interview. So, a lot of cool things we got to learn about him and and about Battlecross. I I thought it was a really great interview. Uh, He sounded really down to earth and um, seemed like he had a good time anyway. But, uh, yeah, there you go. All right, so we're going to wrap up today's show. I had a few, or the last few shows anyway, with the interviews and everything, have gone well over an hour. This one's a little under an hour. So for all of you people that uh, like the shorter episodes, there you go. You're gonna enjoy that. <laughs> so we're gonna end the show with the track "Not Your Slave," which is the uh, the single, I guess, for the for the album, if you wanna call it that. And um, it's also one of the songs that Mark Striegel. Played during the talking metal episode uh, where he had the leads their lead singer Gumby on definitely check that out and um, that's pretty much it want to thank you guys for listening to this episode and for checking out Mars Attacks radio and podcast once again please like us on Facebook follow us on Twitter follow us on G plus leave comments on iTunes And keep an eye out for Earpealer.com. So there you go. Uh, Once again, we're going to leave things off with a little battle cross. This is coming off of the forthcoming Rise to Power. The name of the track, once again, is Not Your Slave. Thanks for listening, and see ya. podcast this concludes our show